Uh, there was nothing else at all in the whole world but football. Hey guys and welcome to the Triple F. Unless you've been living under a rock, I know all of you are more than aware of who was crowned Euro 2020 champions on Sunday. However, we hope you enjoyed the prediction chat both Simons had on Saturday prior to the final. Thanks again for listening guys and this is the Triple F Euro 2020 final prediction. Unfortunately, we haven't got Oliver and Matt who were supposed to join us. That was supposed to be the intention. But um, it just turns out it's just you and I, Si. It's just the the Arsenal fans. Clearly, we're the best fans in England. We're the ones that, you know, do the business. And we're going to be talking all about England. Um, yeah, uh, potentially going to be bringing it home. Football is coming home. And this is a question I have to ask you. What the fuck do we sing if we actually win it? Because it's come home or it's home just doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Well, if Atomic Kitten had a song out, which I love that song, <laughs> Kitten had a song out, I guarantee that Oasis or someone has got something ready to go. By next Saturday, there'll be something. <laughs> but you know what? Um, I, I was I was explaining to my family, and my wife actually gets it now, um, that she thinks that England do this all the time. She thinks that we get to semis because 2018 and now this – and I think she now understands the history, but um, I've been listening to that "It's Coming Home" song since '96, and there was one in '98, and then I think as they've released, released. But that to me, that has such a visceral. I get, I have such a visceral response to that song because I was young and I was just, I was so enthralled in that Euro '96 tournament. I went to a couple of games, and just the pain and the horror. And I think that song has kept me going, and. I don't think it's ever going to go away, but I can't believe we're actually on the cusp of something. I mean, we've already, let's be fair, we've already achieved something pretty big. Mm. And I think we have to, as England fans, we have to recognize what we've achieved. Mm-hmm. And some would say, well, it's weak to say, you know, we're in a final, we're okay with that. I am. Um, yeah. I, don't want, I don't want it to all come. I, I'm trying to prepare myself for it not perhaps going the way we want. But obviously, I will, I, I will, I will, I will sob openly. I will cry mm. if we win. I really will because yeah. I, was driving, I was driving back, back, back home just now, and I was singing. My little girl was in the back singing "It's Coming Home," and I just, I'm like, this is going to get me. This has been mm. all those, all those defeats, all those games. It's been hard. Biggest disappointment for you as an England fan? Um, you know. I think probably 1998, Argentina, the game with Michael Owen. Mm. That goal, right? Picks the ball up inside his own center circle. Uh, perhaps and, the greatest England goal ever. That and Gazza's in '96. Yeah, and another and another penalty and another penalty shootout. Mm. I think the, the, the 2006 against Portugal, that quarterfinal, that another shootout. The whole game with um, Ronaldo giving the wink to the camera. Mm. Um, just I think I think that inevitability that, that we're going to screw it up. So I think I don't, I don't know. I think they all sort of go into each other. The Iceland one, the Iceland one, four five years ago, four years ago at last tournament, that was just a bit like, well, we're not very good. For me, it has to be perhaps Euro '96 with Southgate, but now it's kind of been vindicated. Now the fact that we've reached the final, the fact that we've beat the Germans, the fact that I mean, even two years ago in the last World Cup, we actually won. 
a penalty shootout. Those are the reasons why I think Euro '96 for me has has been buried. You know, the 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 shame and the guilt from that has been buried firmly buried for me and i'm so glad southgate is the man at the helm the man that suffered that penalty miss from all of it so that's yeah for me the biggest one but i think the the hardest one to take was perhaps when steve mclaren was the manager and we um failed to qualify for the i think it was the world cup um at the time with the uh the wally and the brolly was that the rainy night against croatia at wembley mm, was that the pass back from gary neville to paul robinson I think maybe that was the home leg or something. Oh. But, oh. but you, know what, you know what's funny, though, is that we think about this and there's been a few moments where we have dipped and we haven't qualified for tournaments. Mm. Um, you think back to, like, 94. Um, you think back to that one Euros. It, we, we do. That was, the, that was Euro 2008. We've only qualified. We'd, so we had that horrible period of the 70s. When we didn't apparently we didn't qualify for anything, which is amazing. Look at the squad that we had. Mm. Um, you know, Malcolm McDonald and those guys. That was a good, that was a great squad. Ever since 1980, when I really kind of came online as an England fan, we've had disappointments, but when we we haven't actually we've always struggled to get out, we you know we've always struggled on the whole group process. We've always won one, drawn one, lost one. We have that inevitable thing where we will draw the first one, we'll lose the second, and we have to win, but we've always made it. So we've always got to the to the to the knockout stages, and there was quite a period in there where we were a World Cup, Euros quarterfinal team. Mm. And if you and, we're, and we're, we're always we're always really you know down on ourselves for that. Look at teams like Italy, Germany, Netherlands, Spain, France. There have been there have been tournaments more regularly than us where they just haven't qualified. So I think we get a little bit. We're obviously a very very a very um, proud nation in terms of our football. Um, legacy but actually the problem for me is just the talent that we've had and not being able to get over that hurdle we, mm. we, we've actually if you, if you, if you, if you know if you look at if you look at the germans last world cup embarrassing didn't get out of the group we yeah. have that and if you take all the icelands in the world and all the silly penalty shootouts and you know the games against argentina germany etc we always lose but we've always been in the mix and i think the cultural piece with uh, the mighty waistcoat to get us over the line is huge. And yeah. so if we, if frankly, even if, even if we don't get what we want tomorrow, if there's a cultural change and we have these, frankly, these foreign managers in the Premier League, as we just said, like a Pep, et cetera, and a Bielsa, and they're going to groom our players, that's going to be a huge help to getting us to that cultural, that level where we expect more and we are now, let's say, we're going to be a quarterfinal and semifinal team with the occasional final. If we are learning and building, I'm going to be less upset about tomorrow if we don't win. If come the World Cup in Qatar, we're back in the quarterfinals and we're competitive. Hmm. Well, I guess I'm trying to justify this and rationalize this in case we get <laughs> tomorrow. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's a good point that you bring up, and I kind of share the same sentiment when it comes to perhaps preparing ourselves for tomorrow. But I think you kind of mentioned it before, where, you know, even if we do lose to Italy tomorrow, I'm not going to be ashamed. Yes, I'll be disappointed. Yes, I'll be gutted. But, my God, we've got to a final of a European championship. That's a huge, a major tournament we've got to a final of. it's It hasn't happened in my lifetime. Um, it hasn't happened in your lifetime i imagine either so it's 
it's incredible um and you know it was kind of the the sort of bitter sort of disappointment i had in the last world cup where i thought oh, if only we got to that bloody final if only we you know had beaten croatia because i was even thinking like croatia france doesn't have the same sort of ring to it as england france that would have been the better final in my opinion uh, and it was just one of those sort of things that gave me sleepless nights thinking if only we could have got to that final and people might say that european championships are sort of you know less of a tournament in comparison to the world cup but in my opinion they're, they're, they're the same if not tougher in a sense um so to get to this european championship final is huge and like i said i'll be gutted but i think no england fan no real england fan unless you're some sort of internet troll is really going to be angry at what gareth southgate and the boys have done i think they can all hold their heads high and i think they will definitely get a standing ovation no matter the outcome tomorrow what Gareth Southgate has done, and I'm hoping this now gives us a bit of a chance to talk about the mighty waistcoat, as you've dubbed him. The guy, what he's achieved is absolutely incredible. It's just so hard to fathom what he's done. And, you know, I'll hold my hands up. Um, after that Scottish um, draw, I just, you know, I had my doubts about him. And I'm sure I wasn't the only person, but I, you know, I've had my doubts about him many times during his tenure. But the guy knows how to manage international football he knows how to navigate those waters perhaps he wouldn't be a great manager for sort of premier league or, or domestic football um you know the jury's out on that because we've only seen him manage with middlesbrough and that went horribly wrong but for me he just seems to know international football so well he seems to be so detailed in his education so hard um at sort of putting himself to learning every tiny crucial detail almost bielsa like in a sense just leaving absolutely no stone unturned the biggest sort of um impressive thing that he's done with england is really mend that relationship between the media and the england football team how he's done that and done it so well i mean for my whole lifetime i'm pretty sure for yours that relationship was always scarred that was always a a turbulent turbulent relationship and it was almost almost impossible i think now the next manager following gareth, gareth southgate will have a much easier job than the than his predecessors because southgate has now mended those relationships and has now made it a much smoother proposition for people um the guy yeah the guy deserves a freaking statue in my opinion yeah i think well he deserves an atomic kitten song which he's got so <laughs> Um, but no, I think now you make some great points, but I think um, I, I was, I suppose I was excited by it, but when England went down that foreign manager route with Sven and with Capello, who frankly didn't give a damn. I mean, mm. I think I think Sven Goran Eriksson, I felt like he was a little bit more invested in, in, in the results. Capello was a hired hand. He was a bounty hunter. He got his money and, you know, got extremely well paid. Mm. I think that was a really dark time um, in terms of the fact that the FA felt that there wasn't an English manager and coach that could handle that job. Um, I think he's changed the culture in terms of uh, not having to always play the star and seemingly the best, the best 11 players. Let's work out who the, let's rank the best 11 players and let's see how we can put them together in a team. And I'm going to go back to that old adage of the whole, um, adage, but the whole combination of Gerard and Lampard, never going to work. No one wanted to sit. Gerard liked to bomb forward. Lampard liked to bomb forward. We played a 4-4-2, big hole in the middle. 
slow central defenders, you know. Yeah, pretty easy to pick off. Yeah, and I think I think now uh, the waistcoat doesn't. He's not. He's not bound by that. He clearly thinks I'm going to play a team, and I think, um, as I said before, I think the coaching the coaching of our major clubs by now some foreign managers and some incredibly astute coaches is starting to pay off. I mean, you mentioned, you know, we mentioned before this, you know, Calvin Phillips. I mean, I saw I saw Calvin Phillips play twice this season against the Arsenal. Not bad. What the heck's happened to him? I mean, just that first game against Croatia. I mean, this guy's everywhere. And I think it gives him a lot of confidence playing against playing alongside Declan Rice. Because of the two, Declan Rice is most definitely the pivot. He's less likely to go forward and Calvin Phillips has that license too and i mm. think people like stones kyle walker holy cow i thought kyle walker's career was dead five years ago he's been outstanding and now here's another one here's another one i think who's benefited and it's not particularly a great foreign coach because i don't rate Solskjaer at all but luke shaw yeah what what <laughs> i mean i know i know he was hurt i know Mourinho hated him never played mm. him but he does he does he does look a little tubby to be honest i have to say he's, <laughs> carrying, he's carrying 15 pounds but luke shaw he he could be he couldn't be you know he'd be he'd be pretty close to being player of the player you know the England player of the tournament. He's been yeah. it's been fantastic. But I do think Gareth Gareth Southgate. I think I think he's changed the culture. I think as you said quite rightly, the culture is now different. So that relationship between the manager between the, the coaching staff, the manager, and the media is a lot more friendly. But also you could also say that that's because we've been successful. But I think this concept of Team England. Um, I think having Burton now, having the the Burton on tra- training center, gives him that sort of Claire Fontaine French model of having that separate place and that real center to base himself. But yeah, good things and fair play to Gareth Southgate. I I um I think he, his managing of the twenty ones is also important. Remember, we also have that group, those two graduating groups of the under seventeen World Cup winners, the under eighteen World Cup winners. Hmm. So I couldn't, I think people like Foden and Bellingham and all that, they were all in those teams. And some of them are Nat and Sancho, they're all starting to come through. So if you combine a cultural change with those players coming through, I think with the foreign coaching, and now this, this result, win, lose, win or lose tomorrow, this result, this result against the final is going to change the culture of, of the nation and I think of young players coming through. The fact we're in the final, we haven't, we haven't messed it up again. And I think, you know, if, if let's say something freaky happens tomorrow or tomorrow goes to penalties and we lose, I'm not going to feel as annoyed and upset. I feel like we really crossed the line against Denmark. If you're interested in coming on the show for an Under the Floodlight special to talk about your favourite player or manager, please email the thetriplef2021 at gmail.com or DM the thetriplef84 on Twitter. All contact details will be in the episode description. Hope you're all keeping safe and thanks again for listening to the Triple F. Let's talk about the penalty. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, when I first saw it and maybe it was coming from biased eyes, I did actually think it was a penalty. I did think that, you know, the, the fact that it was contact made, especially it was on sort of the second attempt from Marla where he sort of put his knee and his, you know, leg in there. He, he dangled it in there and, he, you know, it came across Sterling's path. Perhaps Sterling went down a little softly, a little easily, but I just think, you know, if that contact's been made, and yes, it it's on the soft side, but I've seen much, much worse, especially as an Arsenal fan. <laughs> I've seen much worse given, um, you know, the, these 
these are incidents that, that happen in football and it's just, you know, England had the rub of the green and these things, you know, have happened against England so many times. We've been screwed over by so many. I know this doesn't necessarily vindicate what happened and this just doesn't explain and justify what happened but at the same time yeah you're nodding it kind of does it kind of does um so yeah I'm, I'll, I'll take it i will take it but yeah it's um it's one that we'll probably get stick for but if we end up winning well we have got to a final i mean who, who gives a shit <laughs> you know what let's let's think why var in let's think why fifa introduced var let's remember why they decided on the trial Blomfontaine, 2010 frank lampard ball was over by a foot going to halftime, it could have been 2-1, 2-2, anyone who there at the time. That system dictates that if you are in the box and there is contact made and a player loses their footing, it's going to be a penalty. That's just mm. the way it is. It's the same as a defender coming out with one of their arms out. You see defenders now finally putting their, their hands behind their mm. back, They're finally getting it. So that's perhaps why it wasn't overruled then, in your yeah. opinion? Well, I think, I think in the letter of the law, contact, in the box you can't do that and players know that mm. and it's fine for for the the world's media or the danish coaching staff to go and say well you know but you know what stop it this isn't this isn't 1985 all over again that's var in fact it's not VAR. it is var the var guy said look looked at it didn't feel the need to overturn the referee's decision because he said in the box contact some contact player went down did sterling throw himself and scream no he didn't he went down and he'd already ridden one challenge mm. but no you know what that, that stuff is given every weekend in the premier league and we're one yeah. of the three leagues that have var so i think a lot of these i'm sure the danish league doesn't have var i'm sure that and i don't know i don't think the german league does as well or the french league so it's 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 quite rich for me to have foreign journalists complaining now about the use of var when they frankly have so little experience of it mm. let 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 the you know the English fans who watch this, watch this every week and who get screwed over every week. Mm. We, we're looking at that going, and you know what? If that was given against us, I'd be angry, I'd be frustrated. But you know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be any different. Like shit, you can't do that. You, you can't. Yeah. Do that. And like the same way that your defenders know to rush out with your arms behind your back, you'll learn this. Mm. And Mar Mar you know that that guy Marley is he's, he's a big oaf. I mean those those uh, those Danish defenders did not scare me. They were all like. Lower Premier League style defenders, big big lumps, um, but yeah, I think I think uh, England got through, and um, I don't frankly care if anyone's going to try to belittle our victory. Yesterday, the head of UEFA came out and said we'll never have a tournament with this with this format again. Fair enough, you know he's clearly he's clearly referring to England playing six out of seven games at home, but yeah. it, it, that England are only playing six out of seven because we won out of our group. Mm. You know, most I'm actually I'm actually not sure. I have to maybe you know this. I'm not sure why the French were there any games in Paris at all. No, Paris wasn't. Really but I'm not. I, I, is did other teams like did the Germans play all three games at home? Um, I think they did. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. In then, the group stage, yeah. if you if if you wait for a going to if they're going to give the semis and final on a separate decision to London to Wembley. You can't come back then and complain about England. I mean, have we essentially had Euro 2020 England? Yeah, we have. We've mm. essentially had a home tournament. But that's it. And you know what? We're going to hear a lot about that if we win. And I'm sorry, I don't care. 
But the thing is, did England choose the format? We didn't choose the format. So, you know, and we didn't choose the venues. We didn't say, we didn't even make the application. Can we have this, these, these, and these, these games played at, at Wembley? That wasn't the case. It was just, you know, whoever decided it did it. Yeah. And if, so, and if, and if, if they're going to continue to consider Baku a part of Europe, I mean, you know, if you draw, yeah. if you draw a line down from Baku, you are east of Tehran. It's like it's like almost in Mongolia. It's so far east. It's yeah. to do with Europe. No, like Israel is like way to the west. So if they're going to continue to use Baku, then and they're going to say, "Oh, this team had to go there." I don't care. So yeah, and honestly, and honestly, honestly, I don't care about anything that's said to try to slag off England because you know, think about the world of social media and clickbait. It's going to get done. It's going to get done a lot because they want England fans to go all upset. I don't care. Yeah. I'm just excited. I'm excited to see how we go up against this. Uh, yeah, think back to the game. Man. I'm excited to see how we go up against Cellini, Cellini, and Bonucci because those old boys are old stages. You saw all that. You saw all the BS that Cellini was involved in before the penalty shootout, trying to sort of manage that. So, yeah, he sort of took over. I'm like, and they're that the guy who's the referee beyond beyond Calpus. There's a there's a documentary on here on Paramount, which is the the channel that has the Champions League coverage. They have a series called Man in the Middle. Mm. It's produced by the Champions League or by UEFA. It's all about the Champions League referees. This guy Bjorn Kalpas, he's not going to stand for any of that. So I'm very <laughs> glad that he is the man in the middle. Mm. What, are your, what are your thoughts on the uh, the Italian eleven, the team we're going to come up against? Uh, just just quickly going on what you said about Chiellini sort of playing those mind games as well, because what that reminded me of is almost like when an extrovert, a really extroverted person meets an introverted person. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's such a clash of personalities. But yeah, I do think Chiellini was just really trying to play mind games with Alba there and it, and it kind of worked. It kind of worked. I did, I did like it because I just thought Chiellini was just really soaking in the occasion. And that's one thing with Mancini. You know, we talk about Southgate and how much he's sort of got this um, England team so motivated and playing without that heavy England shirt because there's been so many years. I'm pretty sure your whole lifetime you've seen England play with a cursed England shirt. But Southgate has, has somehow got us to play with freedom. Mancini has done exactly the same thing because you've got to remember the previous two tournaments for Italy was an absolute shit show. It, you know, this it, is almost like a tale of two clubs that are. are more or less suffer uh, or have suffered similar fates so it's it's going to be really interesting to see um what happens there but yeah i think we world cups but other than that yeah yeah, that's true. That's true. Like, I, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I, I cut off things about ten years. So let's, uh, yeah, let's not worry about what's happened before. Yeah, with with Italy's eleven, um, it, the defense doesn't worry as much as I thought it did, and I think the fact that it, they're such an aging back line, or especially the the centre backs. I think the fact they've come far and they've come this far in the tournament. Is going to be tricky for them. Um, I think you know they're, they're going to be feeling it a bit. Um, and I'm hoping our deadly front three is going to be able to test them. Um, and we've seen as well when the likes of Austria and Spain have taken it to that Italy back line, that's where Italy struggle. So as long as we do what we've pretty much done for the majority of this tournament is take it to the opposition and just absolutely push them. If we just go out like we did in that Ukraine game, just absolutely guns are blazing. I think Italy just, you know, almost won't have an answer. But 
what does scare me, I suppose, is is Jorginho, who seems to be playing the football of his life. Maybe after that Champions League win, he's just you know absolutely on fire, and he has been really impressive. Perhaps one of the you know the nominees for player of the tournament. So you know there there are individuals that I, I worry about, and it's the fact that Mancini has got Italy playing as his team. Um, they are deadly. They haven't lost in the last thirty two, thirty three games or whatever it is. So yeah, they they are going to be a deadly foe. However, you can score goals against Italy. Um, I don't. Uh, how many goals have they conceded in this tournament? Is it uh, four or five? That's so one. yeah, so it's possible. It's possible. So that gives me hope. So it's no, not. So let me let me turn that around on you. So all right, I take everything you're saying. Let's imagine we're two Italians doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. What are we going to be saying about England? I would be more worried. I would be more worried um, from the Italian perspective than I would from England's. Oh, uh, perhaps because we're playing at Wembley. Perhaps because, you know, we haven't achieved this final in so long. It's almost like we're going to be playing with a handbrake off. It's almost as if we're going to be playing with no pressure because achieving the final, in a sense, is like winning the, the tournament for us. Um, maybe I, I'm hoping Southgate isn't making that our, our speech before we head out onto the pitch but i do i just think in the back of their minds they're going to be so um just so comfortable and so confident to to rise to the occasion knowing that they're not going to have pelters at the end of it knowing they're not going to have tomatoes thrown at them knowing that you know yeah. the, the the nation is so proud of what they've done so i think we we are essentially the the more dangerous proposition um but having said that i don't want to go into it being so complacent and thinking that italy are, are going to be a nothing team i just have a lot of confidence in this outfit under southgate it's for some southgate has just made me so proud to be an england fan um and has made me look at this england outfit ever since 2018 has made me look at this outfit a lot more differently and with a lot more confidence going into games Gareth's not really doing anything strange. I think we'll have that that right, that instant, that uh, back three or back four for you, do you reckon? Four. Playing yeah. four. Yeah, we, we're not. So the reason we played a three before was um, against Germany because of uh, Gosens and uh, Kimmich on the outside. Italy don't play that way. We we played a back three as a matchup. Some would some thought defensive measure. Like I heard the press saying. Why do we care about what Germany are doing? We should play our own game. No, no, that's so naive. That's like Sunday League stuff. No, up and out, and boys. No, we we played we played we played the back three because we wanted to nullify. We wanted to make sure that our two wingbacks could keep their guys defensively back and keep them busy and cut off the source there. Um, Italy don't do that, so I think we'll play a four. Only position will be up for grabs will be that inside right position again, and I would start Saka, and I would bring on and I would bring on Sancho, and I would probably end up. Um, probably end up bringing on, bringing on Grealish again. I think Grealish coming off the bench is helpful. But honestly, if I was Italy, I would be I would be terrified of Raheem Sterling. I think mm. he Saka is has been great at directly getting beating the man and getting behind and then crossing. Sterling, on the other hand, takes the ball, drifts in slightly, and then becomes almost like a center forward. He comes across the field and ends up central. And then Kane can actually bomb out to the left 
or he can feed other people. I think again, I know I know it's the fashionable thing to say, but those those half spaces, if they play a four between the center backs and the full backs, Saka's gonna be there. Sterling's gonna run into those. Whoever Shaw's gonna be very tuned in to putting little balls in there. That's why I think Kalini and Bonucci, Cellini and Bonucci, I think those guys are right to be turned. They're right to be they're right to have balls put in behind them, but we just gotta be direct and run. So think about how England teams play though. The thing that the thing that has me throwing stuff at the screen are those periods when the pace drops. Every team has to have them. Like if you think about the first game against Croatia, we we were we were gangbusters for 20 minutes. And then the second 20 minutes of the game, we let Croatia come back in. Modric started pulling the strings, the whole pace dropped. That's what concerns me because Italy, Italy's perfect game plan is to keep the catenaccio, you know, the closed door keep everything very, very tight, slow the game down, keep possession, blah, 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 blah. A moment of brilliance from Chiesa or Insigne or Immobile, and then just shut the game down. Crappy, little, silly little fouls, little niggly fouls, shirt tugs, stop the game, free kick, everybody get back in possession, in position rather, shake gets back, bought little throw-ins, kicking the ball off the field, little throw-ins, stealing five yards on a throw, just working for set pieces if we go down here's the thing if we go down a goal unless it's in the first 10 minutes or so if we go down a goal that's where i think we may have that's going to worry me whereas mm -hmm. denmark they they definitely were a bunch of big boys but not with the skill level the italians the italians cynical way of shutting down a game it's going to bother me if we if we if it, let's say it's 35 40 minutes gone we're down one nothing it's going to take a moment of brilliance from people like Sterling. But I'm not saying the game's dead. That's going to bother me because the Italians will look around at each other and go, all right, boys, we know how to do this. Manage the game. Kill it. Which um, Italy or Italy players are you most worried about? Um, I'm worried about a moment of brilliance from Chiesa, Immobile, and Insigne. I don't think the rest of them. The back four is a back four. We can drive at them. We can find the spaces. We, we can exploit them. The midfield... Nothing more than solid. Hmm. Nothing more than solid. I mean, Verratti, yeah. Giorgino, not bad. Can drive a little, mainly a holding player. It's giving the ball to those front three and just having them do something worldly. I don't, I don't think they're going to score a ball down the side, beat the man, cross, score. I don't think that. I don't think a kind of regulation goal where you open a team up. Just like that goal the other day for Chiesa against Spain. Something brilliant. Something where you just say, "Fair enough." They have players with that ability. We do too. Yeah, I think if Italy's lack of a true target man number nine, I think gives people confidence. They're not playing a false nine, but they've got a lot of movement up front. And I just think those guys have a worldy goal in them. That that bothers me. I'm not worried about the rest of the Italian team. I think this this game. I think if as a, as a neutral, if I was, I think I, I think I would have England as heart favourites. I think head favourites slightly would probably be Italy just because of their cynical way of playing the game. Mm. This isn't Spain that are going to come at you 100 miles an hour. Italy are going to slow, 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 quick, quick goal, and then the rest of the game will be slow. Mm. I feel like they're the, they're, the, um, they're the sort of cynical, the cynical game managers of world football. And despite you know Mancini being the manager, they're never going to come at you gangbusters. No, well, I mean, do you expect England to go out gangbusters? Because obviously, doing that, then we don't want to leave ourselves too exposed. But I mean, 
in a way we have played it so well where I suppose that Ukraine game is a really great example of that. Uh, and I'm trying to think another game where we did that really well as well. Um, I was thinking, yeah, Ukraine was possibly the, the the best example where we we went at them really hard, but we still defended really well, and we still um, we didn't, you know, we didn't play with such a high line that we left ourselves exposed. Um, and that's something that I think I've noticed from Southgate. He's just been able to to squeeze the opposition really well. It's almost like choking the opposition out without, you know, without giving too much away. Um, or playing with too much of a high press. So yeah, I wonder, I wonder what the um, the real approach will be from us tomorrow. Sterling is the key. Mm. I think Sterling's, Sterling's going to scare them. There's going to be lots of talking in Italian media about getting body on Sterling before he can he gets to run at those two aging centre backs. I mean, they're thirty six and thirty four. It's not as if they're really old men, but no. I think Sterling's going to give them nightmares. I think even Kane, Kane dropping deep as he has. But for me, mm. I think the England team, team sets up not that far different from, from Italy. I think we've got a very solid back four. Um, we've got the heading threat of Stones and Maguire, just like the two Italian centre-backs. Um, Shaw's been fantastic. Kyle Walker's been defensively. He's been an absolute rock. But Kyle, uh, Shaw's been good at getting forward. I think Rice and Phillips have been just a revelation. Mm. Definitely Rice has been just a warrior. I mean, that guy has... Yeah. Stayed in a very, very limited area of the field and just kept everything quiet. Mm. And of course, Phillips is a bit more like a headless chicken. He tends to run around a little bit more, but he also drives drives through the ball. Um, his passing is pretty nice. I mean, the Yorkshire pillar mm. has showed up, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I, I really hope the media make a thing about the Yorkshire pillar. <laughs> no, I think Sterling and Saka or whoever plays on the right, those two positions are going to be scaring Italy. Because they they are going to again they've got these two aging centre backs who because they're aging are probably going to play a little bit closer together than they normally would. They're going to try to narrow and they're going to try to narrow with the fullbacks. They want to they don't want there to be those half spaces. So that's fine. We can have Shaw and Sterling go on one side. We can have Kyle Walker and Saka on the other. I don't think down the middle is where we're going to score goals. We're going to have to get balls crossed in and we're going to have to get Sterling just terrifying people. I mean, you mentioned about Calvin Phillips and sort of running around like a headless chicken, but what I do appreciate from Bielsa, and I'm sure he's the guy that's kind of, you know, implemented this into his game. But I just want to check now the, because I imagine, I remember hearing it from a, um, uh, from a sort of post game uh, analysis and the amount of. Ran 13K. 13K. That was it. Yeah. That was it. 13K that he covered. That's insane, absolutely insane. So that's something, you know, we've seen all these running charts from Leeds United last season. They're, you know, millions percent above um, the rest of the Premier League. So, you know, it just goes to show that where Calvin Phillips does run around and cover these yards, perhaps it, you know, it appears as if it's, you know, a bit reckless, but the man is able to do it without busting his lungs the guy's able to do it with iron lungs and he's able to cover those yards so 
Thank you, Marcelo. Uh, absolutely, and thank you, Pep. And you know, yeah. and again, I think I said, you know, the fact that Pep has not really played Sterling very much. That boy came into the tournament with a major chip on his shoulder. Mm. There was a talk about him being sold, and he may still be. I don't know, but there was a big chip on his shoulder. And I think Kane's also, you know, he's also playing for a job. Yeah. Harry Kane is not going to go back to the Spuds. Um, I'm sure that Nuno Espirito is not enough to attract him to stay, and he's already pretty much got one foot in Man City. Mm. Um, and I think Sancho was also playing for a job. Not that he played that much. Foden's been the disappointment to me. He looks like he looks with his little with his bleach hair like a really young kid that's pretty overwhelmed. Um, mm. I think Saka's just. I mean, as a, from an Arsenal fan's point of view, Saka, excuse me, has just grown. Yeah, to come back and be the governor. He is going to come back with so much confidence. I mean, uh, he has really been the best player on the right for us. I mean, Sanchez had a little bit, Foden, but Saka's been the one. Yes, he's only played an hour in each game, but I believe, as far as I'm concerned, Gareth's taking him off because he's run so much. I mean, has Saka really performed much differently from what we've seen him this season? Um, I Personally, I think this is just a case of Saka being exposed to the nation. This is just a case of what we are so accustomed to at Arsenal. Yes, he, he doesn't have, you know, these incredible standout games every time, but when he does have a, you know, a slightly lesser game, it's still a seven. Saka is always so dependent. And this is like why, I personally, I just think, you know, him playing for this England side and he's definitely playing with better players as well. It's just helped to elevate his game massively. Um yeah. But for me, this isn't a massive surprise. It's just a surprise that you know England fans haven't haven't really sort of seen this for, before. Haven't been privy to to the player that we know that Saka is. Um, but what what really um, impresses me as well about this sort of whole outfit from Southgate is that Saka fits the bill. And the reason why Saka's number one at that list is because of his attitude is because of his application is because defensively gives you a hell of a lot more than what Sancho does. That's why he's ahead of him. And, you know, that's for me why he's got to start the final tomorrow. And um, he's just got to, I just want to ask you what your, um, your lineup is, or is it as simple as the same as last game? Same as last game, Saka's, Saka's on the right. Yeah. So, so you go, so you're going with Mount again, like with me, that Mount is perhaps the only question mark. I, I personally would, uh, I would, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe I would go with Mount, but I, I like Grealish, but I think with Grealish, he's always going to be a bench player. He's always going to be somebody. He's always going to be a tool for Southgate to come off the bench and to just give us something different and to you know test the opposition a bit more. Yeah. Grealish coming on with fresh legs, 30 minutes to go, is a fantastic weapon to have. Um, I, think I, think, I think mentally there are the, other, the other team just goes, oh boy. Mm. And and here's what they do is they immediately just they immediately foul him. Yeah. Rather like at the end of a basketball game, you know, you've got a minute left and you've got foul trouble. You give the ball to your best free throw shooter, they get fouled two points. You mm. give the ball to Grealish on the top of the box and just let him hold it for five seconds, he's gonna get taken out. Yeah. You know, I think I think if you look at the way if you look at the way rugby has developed now in terms of it being a game of there's there, there's there are two games. There's the first hour. And there's the last 20 minutes. And so Eddie Jones for England has his bench players. He brings on a, you know, a couple of big boys, uh, like a Corny Laws or someone like that. I don't want to get too into rugby because people may not know who we're talking about. Yeah. He brings on a new fly half, a new scrum half, a big hitter, and a whole new front row. 
and the whole team is energized and you get those big tackles in the midfielder it's usually the closers that end up literally winning the game mm. the first hour are the other players that batter the other team into, into submission and then the last 20 are the fresh legs that, that go ahead and really seal the deal and i totally think Grealish is the same way yeah i think and i think but i think Grealish. I think he's my one criticism of Grealish is that I think I mentioned the other day is that he he's almost waiting to be fouled for a free kick. Goes to ground a little too easily. Yeah, and I think, but I think you know he's definitely going to be a target. I mean, if you let's say Italy had a player like that to bring on after an hour, who was a, a sort of mazy dribbler, just take his legs out. So I think mm. he doesn't have to be smart. He has to sit right in that ten position, right by the arc of the box, back to goal, get the ball, and just hold it. And he's Kylini and Bonucci are going to just wreck him. That's fine. And up steps Harry Kane, top corner. I think we have to be smart like that. But no, I think uh, I don't want to. I definitely. I'm not sure. I want to even give a prediction for tomorrow because I'm just. I'm just nervous to the point where I'm rather like I said the other day for the Denmark game. If we score early, it's a different game. If mm. they score early, I mean, we proved against Denmark we can come back. But I, I'm fearful if I'm fearful if Italy go up one nothing. I think I think England are going to be so pissed off that they allowed Denmark to to score first. Um, I, I there was not much England could have done from that because it, my God, it was just an absolute worldie from Damsgaard. Um, it was just knuckleball to the absolute tenth degree. It was fantastic, and you know a lot of people say Pickford should have done a lot better. I'm sorry, nah. For me, that's almost unsavable. Just the amount of movement, the amount of whip on that ball was just impossible for for any goalkeeper to. Well, not impossible, but it would have been very difficult to sort of at the same time as making that much of a dive across your goal and also keeping an eye on that kind of movement. It would just be so hard to to yeah I mean, to get I a solid hand to. As a goalkeeper for all my career and career, my soccer player, life, um, and as a coach now to goalkeepers, but I can tell you what he did. He he, De Denmark had they added to the wall, mm. so literally an entire wall across Pickford. So their whole their whole um, approach is going to be to bring it up and down, and because of that wall, the Danish wall. Yeah, I saw them move like two. Yeah feet the other way yeah if you look at it again pickford he got his weight wrong but it was not his fault he doesn't know when the ball is going to come and he literally just moved his moved his weight onto his left foot just at the moment that damsgaard hit it and he frankly just could not get back he got back to i think he just did his fingertips or something like that if he stayed if he hadn't chosen just to look around the wall he probably could have got back but you know what? It's it's a brilliant way to take a free kick, completely mm. outside the goalkeeper. And then if he if he just yeah, again if he just had been patient, he just chose to very quickly take a little look, and there's weight, just half his weight, and he's coming back. But yeah, but no, I think um, I think yeah, a worldy goal like that, just like Damsgaard, that that's what bothers me. I think England, I think mm. we're too strong in the middle, we're too strong in the back to have them tear us apart and rip us. It's gonna be a gonna be a set piece, or it's gonna be absolute worldy. Yeah. But I do, I mean, I do think with my own shirt on it, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win. And I think, I think I'm going to have to start manifesting that now. We're going to win. Knowing that it's, my world is not going to collapse if we don't, because we've made that step. We've made that, we, we crossed that hurdle into getting to a final. Mm. And, you know, previous or 18 months time in Qatar, and we we're pretty much already qualified for that. But in Qatar, indoors, 65 degrees or 70, 68 degrees, that's going to be, it's going to be a very level playing field, playing on turf. 
AstroTurf, I think again we need to we need to consolidate with that. So I feel like between the Premier League, the Premier League structure, um, foreign coaches, Gareth's culture, we're on the right track. So I'm going to just predict it, and I just hope we. I think it'll be easier if we score first. Like finding out as much as you can about clubs you've heard of and those you haven't, then come check out the Magic of where we delve as deep as possible into the rich history of weird and wacky clubs all over the world. Does Gareth Southgate deserve, I mean, regardless of whether we win tomorrow or not, does he deserve Sports Personality of the Year for you? 100%. I agree. 100%. 100%. I mean, nice guys that never finish first, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, he's, if you think back to, if you think back to the day he was hired, it was, mm. it was basically an internal appointment there were other other more attractive coaches, more interesting, sexy coaches around the world we could have hired. They hired from within because potentially a good corporate FA man. He wears the suit. He says the right things. But he's got something about him. Well, people still wanted Allardyce. <laughs> that was how. That was the general well, consensus. What well, wasn't wasn't Allardyce right? Wasn't this the appointment right after Allardyce was fired for doing something? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think. I think, you know, Gareth Southgate is, is not your first pick for... But if you compare Capello with Southgate, you couldn't have two more different people. Mm. But Southgate, clearly, clearly the man's invested. Clearly he's a super chap, uh, but he also has enough of an edge to him. I mean, he's the guy who brought Grealish on and then 25 minutes later pulled Grealish off. Yeah, he's his own uh, man. That takes some balls to do, to do that. Yeah, absolutely, man. What are your thoughts on the game? Then? We're going to win, but what are your thoughts on how it might go? Oh, if I have to give my prediction, I I think um, I've I've said I've up up to this point I've said Italy so many times are going to win. I do think I did think it was going to be a, a thriller of a game. I think it's it it was gonna. I did think it was going to be three two to Italy. However. After having a chat with you and maybe after having that beer, <laughs> I've now decided that I think England are going to bring it home. I, do, I don't know. I just perhaps it was like psychological reverse psychology, just trying to, you know, outthink the, uh, the gods <laughs> and, and perhaps making Italy the winners tomorrow. But for some reason, just, you know, calculating that, it's at Wembley and the fact that we have only conceded one goal in the tournament so far, the fact that we're, we're flying at the moment, Italy are as well, obviously, but I don't know. I just, I just really favor ourselves. I think I'm going to go two one England. Um, I think it's, I don't even think it's going to go extra time. I think it's just going to be two in England uh, at the end of the 90. One nil. Yeah. One nil. One nil. I mean, I'm going to say that because I, if we score, as I said last time, if we score first, it'll be one nil, and we'll manage the game. Mm. If we go down, we'll probably it'll probably go exactly the way that the, the Danish game went. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, I don't know. I am uh, I am very excited. I can't believe we're here. I am trying to convince myself that I won't be throwing stuff at the TV and be very upset if we don't win. I hope I I hope that's the case. <laughs> but I really should be. I really should, in the moment. I'm sure it will be. But I really should be happy with with the fact that we are making big progress as a 
as a national team. And I think that's what we have to take away. And if yeah. you, you honestly, if you told me at the end of the Croatia game in in Russia, we'd reach another semi-final, one, I wouldn't have believed you. And we won it. Yeah. So let's hold on to that. Yeah, definitely, man. This is a bit of a trivial question, but has it always been the case that um, there hasn't been the 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 fourth and third game? Uh, so, Great yeah, because I'm pretty sure, like, well, obviously the last World Cup we played Belgium, didn't we, for third place, and we yeah. didn't win. So, has it always been the case in in the European Championships that there's not a, a game for third? Great question. The only one that I remember was one at Italian ninety. Mm. When, when, when we played Italy, and frankly, no one gives a damn. No. I'm very, very glad. I'm very glad that that isn't the case because it would have been. It would have been today. Mm. No, I'm glad. I'm so glad. That's one of the most pointless exercises. Um, I guess it's just a money grab. But yeah. yeah, I. You no, know, it's not something we have to care about, mate. Frankly, well, it's something that I don't really mind watching or being fairly sort of interested in. Is because we're not in it. <laughs> I think you know because we surpassed that. It's kind of like, oh yeah, that would be quite interesting in watching that. But yeah, had we been in it, yeah, I would have absolutely fobbed it. You have off. to remember the Euros for a long time. The Euros was a very small tournament. Mm. It was two groups, two groups basically, and I think it was um, no, sorry, it was four groups, and the top two go to the quarterfinals. Bang bang. Yeah, um, we've made it bigger. But I think now, if if you were not going to have a third, fourth class player before, I'm really glad we haven't added one. Because yeah, it's kind of bonus. Yeah. How long to go now? Yes, man. Yes, man. I cannot wait. Um, I'm yeah. I'm generally going into this with excitement, more excitement than dread. I'd say about eighty percent excitement, twenty dread. Mm -hmm. I'm um, I'm looking forward to this. I am looking forward to it. So yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm going to stick with my prediction of 2-1. Oh, I do need to mention um, Matt and Oliver's predictions. Um, so Oliver's first of all, um, he says he's obviously biased. Both teams uh, will try to start strong. Then England will take control. England have it in them to shut out Italy and score goals. The game will swing Italy's way after halftime, and then England will find their feet again. I think the opening 10 minutes of each half will be critical. There will be nerves and England have shown they feel them and can cope with them. Sterling to be man of the match and score England to win 2-0. So when he said the game will swing Italy's way, I assumed that he meant Italy were going to score. But yeah, I think maybe just in terms of possession and, and the feeling of the game. But yeah, to, to win it 2-0, my God, I would absolutely oh. love that. That right. would be <laughs> phenomenal. Oh. There's a lot of money I would give to the gods if I could have a 2-0 for tomorrow. I, I would empty the bank account for that. Um, yeah. Honestly, I'll, I'll, I mean, Ollie, I love Ollie's stuff, and I, I, uh, I definitely, uh, I definitely would like to go with his prediction on that. Good on you. <laughs> yeah, um, Matt has said he's remaining hopeful and saying England one nil, but uh, with a secondary. I'm not sure he's allowed this, but we'll, we'll uh, allow him it anyway. But a secondary guess of a penalty win. So. Yeah, I, I just yeah. don't want it to be. I don't want to go into the 80th minute like it was against Denmark, one-one. Mm. I'm just thinking this is it. If any mistake now, yeah, you're up. Don't give up. Don't give away a free kick. Keep possession. Keep possession. Mm. That was that was high nerves. That last 10 minutes against Denmark with them breaking and us trying to assert ourselves. And then when it, as soon as as soon as the whistle went for 90 minutes, I'm like, oh crap, here we go. Mm. Said as I said during my, during my thing the other day, like we know how extra time ends. Yeah, I can't, I can't recall apart from 
apart from David Platt, I think it was extra time, David Platt at Italian 90, that overhead kick against Belgium, I cannot recall the time, and please tell me, I'm sure I'm wrong, when England went into, over, uh, they went into extra time and actually won in extra time. I feel like extra time always leads to penalties and penalties. Yeah. Denmark's the only one I can think of. <laughs> yeah, I think the problem, yeah, David Platt, David Platt, I think it was the last minute of extra time. The country mm. racing itself for penalties once again, and it, thank God it didn't happen. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, this is good. Let's, let's go for it. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Oh, I forgot to mention as well, Ollie is the luckiest man alive. Um, he's actually going to Wembley tomorrow. So, oh, God. yeah, pretty jealous. Well, I hope. I hope he can. Uh, I hope he can record some. Uh, I know that. I yeah, know, no, he's going to. Yeah, I know troops got thrown out of Wembley in one of the early games <laughs> for doing something. He needs to record something, just audio, and get some fan reaction and get some crowd noise. That would be fabulous. I'll let you do that. Oh right, it, is it? Um, they don't want you to record. Then. But if you're stupid about it and you start showing your showing your phone like a camera and start putting it in people's faces then they'll see you just have it on have have it on right after a goal gets scored or just just record the whole game audio and just try to cut the bits where there's good action and just maybe even outside the ground just talk to people it's so good yeah yeah no definitely it's a yeah it's an absolute perhaps one of a lifetime yes. um, opportunity so yeah i'm sure he's um i'm sure he's excited for it <laughs> so yeah it's going to be a good one all right, mate. Well, this is lovely. Let's uh, let's uh, let's let's catch up again when we uh, get back into the Arsenal frame of things. Uh, the, the yeah, I really haven't thought too too much of on, on Arsenal. Obviously, I've been chatting to you uh, back and forth, but I've just gone full gung ho with England. Um, yeah, I'm I'm waiting for this thing to be over, and then I'll you know put my attention back to Arsenal. Well, not that there's been not that there's been a lot going on with Arsenal anyway. So you know, let's hope Ben White gets done the moment this is over. Let's hope yeah. Monday we got Ben White. I think well, it will. All right, I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll uh, stop the recording and I'll send what I have to you, and then uh, I look forward to this going online. Cool, man. Thanks just a lot, buddy. Thank you so much for listening to the Triple F. If you could please drop a like on our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, that would be massively appreciated. Hope you're all keeping safe and thanks again for listening to the Triple F.